All right, fellow fact checkers. Now, before we start the show, I want to remind you to head over and check out our great sponsor, Fox and Son Coffee. Uh, they've got an amazing deal with all kinds of blends going on. So head over there and check it out. You can get the Mexican honey prep, the Brazilian honey prep, the Guatemalan, the Ethiopian. They'll be adding new roasts regularly. So be sure to check in and see what new flavors Steve has got over at Fox and Son Coffee. They've also got all of your usual favorites, the Den Blend Dark, the Den Blend Light, and the one that we personally like around the house since uh, we can't seem to agree on which of the light or the dark is better for both me and the wife, the Den Blend Tube Electric Boogaloo, which is the medium roast. So be sure to use the checkout code FCT for fact check this at checkout, and that'll get you an 18% discount on any order of $25 or more. Also, any order of $37.99 or more gets you free shipping. Load up on all the greatest coffee on the market, and you can thank me later. Well, let's start the show. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. Fact Check This Podcast, and today we're going to hit number three in the Moderna series. Uh, this one came about a year afterwards, and it's a little more specifically focused on the, <clears throat> the mRNA vaccine itself and kind of what's behind it and looking at the boosters and stuff like that. So let's go ahead and dive right in and get to it. This one's a little bit shorter than the other two, so I might be able to cover it in a more normal time than, than the last two, which went pretty long. But Nonetheless, I mean, this is all very important stuff, and it's stuff that doesn't get talked about, and that's the problem, is it doesn't get talked about. So let's ju- let's dive right in here. RNA for Moderna's Omicron booster manufactured by CIA-linked company. So we've already talked about uh, DARPA and uh, the NIH and, oh, what was the other? There's several. There have been several. Um, big government programs that have had a lot of involvement in Moderna to the tune of some like $6 billion that effectively kept Moderna afloat when it otherwise probably would have gone bankrupt. And a lot of this stuff has really, it's really been the, the government involvement in Moderna has been a large part of the reason why the company itself has stuck around uh, having what would appear to be an inside track into the timeline of covid the expectation of a vaccine all of this other stuff like like was talked about in part two uh, there's been a lot of intervention so to speak and does it make or does it surprise anybody that a cia link has had a big involvement in the Omicron booster and other things going forward since then. So let's take a look at that. Since late last year, messenger RNA for Moderna's COVID-19 vaccines, including its recently reformulated Omicron booster, has been exclusively manufactured by a little-known company with significant ties to U.S. intelligence. Earlier this week, the United Kingdom became the first country to approve Moderna's reformulated version of its COVID-19 vaccine which claims to provide protection against both the original form of the virus and the significantly less lethal but more transmissible Omicron variant. The product was approved by the UK's Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency with the support 
of the UK government's Commission on Human Medicines, described by UK officials as a sharpening tool in the nation's continued vaccination campaign. The reformulated vaccine combines the previously approved COVID-19 vaccine with a vaccine candidate targeting the Omicron variant BA2 or BA1. Sorry, that vaccine candidate has never been previously approved and has not been the subject of independent study. Sounding familiar? The MHRA approved the vaccine based on a single, incomplete human trial currently being conducted by Moderna. The company promoted incomplete data from that trial in company press releases in June and July, and the study has yet to be published in a medical journal or a peer-reviewed. No concerns have been raised by any regulatory agency, including the MHRA, regarding Moderna's past history of engagement in suspect and likely illegal activity in past product trials, including for its original COVID-19 vaccine. If you had if you had, hadn't already lost faith in any of these like governing bodies to thoroughly vet this stuff, uh, I mean the, the the three parts of this should should have finally just dashed that faith completely in the head. The approval comes shortly before several Western countries, including the United Kingdom, plan to conduct a massive COVID-19 booster vaccination campaign this fall. Moderna has also noted that approval for its Omicron booster vaccine are pending in the U.S., EU, Australia, and Canada, all of which are also planning fall vaccination campaigns focused on COVID-19. The company's CEO, Stéphane Bonkel, has called the reformulated vaccine our lead candidate for a fall 2022 booster. I see Moderna has never brought anything to market prior to its COVID vaccine that was very shady. So naturally, they're going to need these boosters to keep them afloat. However, unlike the company's original COVID-19 vaccine, the genetic material or messenger RNA, RM, blah, 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 messenger RNA or the mRNA for this new vaccine, including the newly formulated genetic material meant to provide protection against the Omicron variant, is being manufactured not by Moderna, but by a relatively new company that has received hardly any media attention, despite its overt links to U.S. intelligence. Last year, it was quietly announced that the company, called National Resilience, often referred to simply as Resilience, would begin manufacturing the mRNA for Moderna COVID-19 vaccine products. Under the terms of the multi-year agreement, Resilience will produce mRNA for the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine at its facility in Mississauga, Ontario, for distribution worldwide. Reinventing Biomanufacturing National Resilience was founded relatively recently in November of 2020 and describes itself as a manufacturing and technology company dedicated to broadening access to complex medicines and protecting biopharmaceutical supply chain distri against distribution. It has since been building a sustainable network of high-tech end-to-end manufacturing solutions with the aim to ensure the medicines of today and tomorrow can be made safely, quickly, and at scale. It further plans to reinvent biomanufacturing and democratize access to medicines, namely gene therapies, experimental vaccines, and other medicines of tomorrow. In pursuit of those goals, the company announced it would actively invest in developing powerful new technologies to manufacture complex medicines that are defining the future of therapeutics, including cell and gene therapies, viral vectors, vaccines, and proteins. It was founded with the reported intention to build a better system for manufacturing complex medicines to fight deadly diseases as a way to improve post-COVID pandemic preparedness. 
The company initially marketed its manufacturing capabilities as the Resilience Platform and offers principally M uh, RNA modalities, including RNA development for vaccines, gene editing, and therapeutics, and virus production, including viral vectors, oncolytic viruses, such as a virus engineered to preferentially attack cancer cells, viruses for use in vaccine development, and gene-edited viruses for unspecified purposes. It is worth noting that, to date, many controversial gain-of-function experiments have justified modifying viruses for the same purposes as described by National Resilience's virus production capabilities. In addition, National Resilience offers product formulations and other modalities, such as bio uh, biologics and cell therapies, to its clientele and the virus production of its website has since been removed. So you can't say virus production because people start asking questions. You can't you can't talk about doing something that looks exactly like gain of function because gain of function is a bad word and everybody knows that Dr. Fauci says Wuhan lab wasn't doing that even though it was proven that he authorized the funding for them to do that. So, you know, like you got to you got to watch out with the, the kind of buzzwords you use. But would it would it surprise anyone to know that a a new company with ties to the, the intelligence community is working on virus production for gene edited viruses for unspecified purposes and is also going to be working in close coordination with Moderna for providing them with uh, their RNA modalities to help them with the production of future vaccines to to help with pandemic preparedness like motherfucker what i mean let's just like this is like uh what was the there was a story a while back where like there were people who were doing some illegal shady shit and they had it all written down in a book and they just happened to leave the fucking book like i think it was I think it was actually some women who were selling fake vaccine uh, passports and, and like vaccination cards and stuff. But like they just left the book sitting out and it had like all of the information written down and detailing the way that they were doing this and who they had given these. Like, this is what that, uh, whatever this company is, Nash, uh, National Resilience and Moderna have made the same mistake. They just left their playbook sitting out on the table for everybody to see. And it's like, here it is. This is what we're doing. Holy fuck. National Resilience, being such a young company, has very few clients and there is little publicity available, in, uh, publicly available information on its manufacturing capabilities aside from the company's website. The firm only acquired its first commercial product uh, manufacturing plant in March of 2021 located in Boston, Massachusetts, which also I believe is where Moderna uh, was founded out of, or at least somewhere in the vicinity, and purchased from Sanofi followed shortly thereafter by the acquisition of another separate plant located in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Makeovers were announced for the plants, but little is publicly known about their progress. Prior to the acquisitions, the company has been subleasing a Bay Area facility in Fremont, California. Reporters were puzzled at the time as to why a company with roughly 700 employees at the time had acquired a total of 559,000 square feet of manufacturing space 
after having only emerged from stealth less than six months prior. In April of 2021, National Resilience acquired Olaji Bioservices Incorporated, which had received a $37 million contract from the U.S. military the previous November to develop an advanced anti-COVID-19 monoclonal antibody treatment. This acquisition also provided National Resilience with its first biosafety level 3 laboratory and the ability to manufacture cell and gene therapies, live viral vaccines, and vectors and oncolotic viruses. Despite being in the earliest stages of developing its revolutionary manufacturing capabilities, National Resilience entered into a partnership with the Government of Canada in July of last year. Per that agreement, the Canadian government plans to invest uh, $199.2 million in Canadian dollars, which is about $154.9 million in U.S. dollars, into National Resilience's Ontario-based subsidiary, Resilience Biotechnologies, Inc., most of those funds are destined to, for use in expanding the Ontario facility the Resilience acquired last March, and which is now manufacturing the mRNA for Moderna's COVID-19 products. Canada's Minister of Innovation, Science and, and, Indus, and Innovation, Science and Industry, Francois-Philippe Champagne, asserted that the time that the investment would build future pandemic preparedness and help to grow Canada's life science ecosystem as an engine for our economic recovery. More recently, in 2022, the company has announced a few new clients, Tadika, Opus Genetics, and the U.S. Department of Defense. According to National Resilience's executives, the company's ambitions apparently go far beyond manufacturing RNA for viruses. For instance, Resilience CEO Rahul Singh V has claimed that the company is seeking to build the world's most advanced biopharmaceutical manufacturing ecosystem. Yet Xing Vi has declined to offer much in the way of specifics when it comes to exactly how the company plans to become the planet's most elite biomanufacturing company. Uh, this is sounding very similar to Moderna, isn't it? Like there's a lot of parallels here between this company and, and Moderna, especially in the at the onset. All right, a lot of hype, a lot of government backing, a lot of money to go into doing all of these things, but not a whole lot of substance or anything concrete to, to stand on. But by God, if you've got government backing, they will dump literal billions of dollars into your company. So you can just keep plugging forward and say that you're going to do this shit. And as long as there's some sort of a pandemic on the horizon, they can always just throw the rule book out and let you do whatever the fuck you want, right? In an interview with the San Francisco Business Times, Shingvi states that resilience is looking to fill its massive manufacturing plants with technologies and people that can set and apply new standards for manufacturing cell therapies and gene therapies, as well as RNA-based treatments. Prior to resilience, Shingvi was CEO of Novavax and an operating partner at Flagship Pioneering, which played a major role in the creation and rise of Moderna. Uh, connect them dots, baby. Xingvi has further insisted that National Resilience is not a therapeutics company, not a contractor, and not a tools company, and instead aims to boost production using the new therapeutic modalities, such as RNA-based treatments, which have become normalized in the COVID-19 era. Whereas contract manufacturers are like kitchens with pots and pans ready for any recipe, what we're trying to do is fix the recipes, Xingvi has explained. One member of Resilience's board of directors, former FDA commissioner and Pfizer board member Scott Gottlieb, has described the company as seeking to act as the equivalent of Amazon Web Services for the biotechnology industry. That's scary. 
Essentially, resilience bills itself as offering solutions that will allow futuristic medicines, including mRNA vaccines, to be produced more quickly and more efficiently with the apparent goal of monopolizing certain parts of the biomanufacturing process. It also appears poised to become the manufacturer of choice for mRNA vaccines and experimental therapeutics in the event of future pandemics, which some public health philanthropists like Bill Gates, have said is imminent. Of course they think it's imminent. Perhaps the company's most noteworthy ambition relates to their claims that they support clients through the government regulatory process. Given the the company's emphasis on speedy mass production of experimental gene therapies, its stated intention of getting the futuristic medical products it manufactures to market as quickly as possible seems at odds with the slower traditional regulatory process. Indeed, one could easily argue that the approvals of mRNA vaccines for the first time in human history during the COVID-19 crisis were only possible because of the major relaxing of regulatory uh, procedures and safety testing due to the perceived urgency of the situation. Resilience seems intent on seeing that uh, that phenomenon repeat itself. As previously mentioned, the company claims to allow for the setting and application of new standards for manufacturing cell therapies and gene therapies, and also said it plans to become a technology-aggregated standards bearer that helps therapies come to market more efficiently. It previously offered on its website regulatory support and strategy consulting to clients, suggesting that it would seek to mediate between clients and government regulators in order to fulfill its goal of having the products it manufactures taken to market more quickly. In addition, upon launch, the company claimed it planned to obtain specific, uh, obtain unspecified regulatory capabilities. If so, this certainly notable. It is if so, it is certainly notable that former top Food and Drug Administration officials are either on the company's board or, as will be noted shortly, played a major role in the company's creation. Amazing, right? Amazing, especially when you consider that it's come to light that Fauci had meetings with the CIA to discuss the uh, more or less the rollout of COVID-19 and the response to it. This company having some major ties to the intelligence community would bode well for them being able to uh, create new standards and allow for uh, these therapies to come to market more quickly. They're they're going to be working with the people who are going to be crafting the policy on it. I mean, former top FDA officials are either on the company's board or played a major role in its creation. Fucking A, man. The people behind resilience. Resilience was co-founded by biotech venture capitalist Robert Nelson, who is known for listening to science, science's earliest whispers, even when data are too early for just about anyone else. Nelson was one of the earliest investors in Illumina, a California-based gene sequencing hardware and software giant that is believed to currently dominate the field of genomics. As mentioned in a previous Unlimited Hangout investigation, Illumina is closely tied to the DARPA equivalent of the Wellcome Trust known as Wellcome Leap, which is also focused on futuristic and transhumanist medicines. Nelson is now chairman of National Resilience Board, which is a who's who of big players from the US national security state, big pharma and pharma-related philanthropy. 
However, while Nelson has been given much of the credit for creating resilience, he revealed in one interview that the idea for the company had actually come from someone else, Luciana Borio. In July of last year, Nelson revealed that it was while talking to Borio about her work running pandemic preparedness on the National Security Council that it helped lead the launch of Nelson's $800 million bio biologics manufacturing startup, Resilience. At the time of their conversation, Borio was the vice president of NQTEL, the venture capital arm of the CIA that has been used since its creation in the early 2000s to found a number of companies, many of which act as agency fronts. Prior to NQTEL, she served as director for medical and biodefense preparedness at the National Security Council during the Trump administration and had previously been the acting chief scientist of the FDA from 2015 to 2017. Borio is currently a senior fellow for global health at the Council for Foreign Relations, a consultant to Goldman Sachs, a member of the Bill Gates-funded Vaccine Alliance, CEPI, and a partner at Nelson's venture capital firm, Arch Venture Partners, which funds resilience. Nelson's Arch previously funded Nanosys, the company of the controversial scientist Charles Lieber. Around the time of her conversation with Nelson that led to resilience's creation, Borio was co-writing a policy paper for the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security that recommended linking COVID-19 vaccination status with food stamp programs and rent assistance as a possible means of coercing certain populations to take the experimental vaccine. This is one of the people who was responsible for the founding of this company, trying to coerce certain populations. We know who they mean by coerce certain populations into taking the experimental and taking the COVID-19 vaccine with uh, rent assistance and food stamp programs. Yeah, we know who they're trying to coerce here. Borio is hardly resilience's only NQTEL connection, as the CEO of NQTEL, Chris Darby, sits on the company's board of directors. Darby is also on the board of directors of the CIA Officers Memorial Fund. Darby was also recently a member of the National Security Commission on, Intelligence, uh, of, on Artificial Intelligence, where members of the military intelligence community and Silicon Valley's top firms argued for the need to reduce the use of legacy systems in favor of AI-focused alternatives as a national security imperative. Among those legacy systems identified by the NSCIA, AI, NSCAI were in-person doctor visits and even receiving medical care from a human doctor as opposed to an AI doctor. The NSCAI also argued for the removal of regulatory barriers that prevent these new technologies from repl replacing legacy systems. You don't need a real doctor to look at you and possibly tell you something that's not already been approved by your handlers you just need to see an ai doctor through the camera on your phone or your computer and the ai doctor will tell you everything that the cia tells it to tell you right that's the way this is going to work another notable board member then in discussing resilience's intelligence ties is drew oding oding works for cerberus capital management the firm headed by steve feinberg who previously led the president's intelligence advisory board under the trump administration Cerberus is notably the parent company of Dynacorp, a controversial U.S. national security contractor tied to numerous scandals, including scandals related to sex trafficking in conflict zones. Oding is also part of the CIA-linked Thorn NGO, ostensibly focused on tackling child, tackling child trafficking that was the subject of a previous unlimited hangout investigation. Oding is also the co-founder of 8BC, a venture capital firm 
that is one of the main investors in Resilience. 8VC's other co-founder is Joe Lonsdale, and Oding started his career as Lonsdale's chief of staff. Lonsdale is the co-founder alongside Peter Thiel and Alex Karp of Palantir, a CIA front company and intelligence contractor that is the successor to DARPA's controversial Total Information Awareness Mass Surveillance Data Mining Program. In addition, Oding previously worked for Bill Gates Investment Funds. Of course he did. Also worth noting is the presence of Joseph Robert Carey, former U.S. Senator for Nebraska and former member of the Conflict of Interest-Ridden 9-11 Commission on Resilience's board. Carey is currently Managing Director of Allen & Company, a New York investment banking firm which has hosted an annual summer camp for billionaires since 1983. Allen & Company has long been a major player in networks where organized crime and intelligence intersect. Um, organized crime and the pharmaceutical company are about one and the same. So, makes sense. And is mentioned repeatedly throughout my upcoming book, One Nation Under Blackmail. For instance, Charles and Herbert Allen, who ran the firm for decades, had considerable business dealings with organized crime kingpins and frontmen for notorious gangsters like Mark, Mike Lansky, uh, Meyer Lansky, particularly in the Bahamas. They were also business partners of Leslie Wexner's mentors, A. Alfred Taubman, Taubman and Max Fisher, as well as associates of Earl Bryan, one of the architects of the Promis software scandal which saw organized crime and intelligence networks cooperate to steal and then compromise the promised software for blackmail and clandestine intelligence gathering purposes. Allen & Company was a major investor in Brian's business interest in the technology industry that Brian used in attempts to bankrupt the developers of Promise in Slaw, Inc., and to market versions of Promise that had been compromised first by Israeli intelligence and later the CIA. Holy fuck, it just keeps getting better, right? Like, this is amazing. In addition to these intelligence-linked individuals, the rest of Resilience Board includes the former CEO of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Susan Desmond Hellman, former FDA commissioner and Pfizer board member, Scott Gottlieb, two former executives at Johnson & Johnson, the former president of CEO and CEO of Teva uh, Pharmaceuticals North American branch, George Barrett, Caltech professor and board member of Alphabet, also known as Google, and Illumina, Francis Arnold, and former executive of Gene Tech and Merck, Patrick Yang, and then the Brazilian CEO, Rahul Singh B. To boost or not to boost? It is certainly telling that the normally publicity-hungry Moderna has said so little about its partnership with Resilience, and that Resilience, despite its ambitious plans, has also avoided the media limelight. Considering Moderna's history and Resilience's connections, there may be more to this partnership than meets the eye then concerned members of the public would do well to keep a very close eye on resilience, its partnerships, and the products it is manufacturing. Given that we now live in a world where government regulatory decisions on the approval of medicines are increasingly influenced by corporate press releases and normal regulatory procedures have fallen by the wayside for being too slow, there is likely to be little scrutiny of the genetic material that resilience produces for the medicines of tomorrow. This seems to be already true for Moderna's recently retooled COVID-19 vaccine, as there have been no independent examination of the new genetic sequence of mRNA used in the Omicron-specific vaccine candidate or its effects on the human body in the short, medium, or long term. 
For those who are skeptical of the outsized role that intelligence-linked companies are playing in an attempted uh, technological revolution in the medical field, it is best to consider resilience's role in the upcoming fall vaccination campaign and in future pandemic and public health scenarios before trying its futuristic products. This is another, another company that's incredibly similar to Moderna with the way it kind of came about and came into existence. And uh, the connections that it has to the, the Melinda, Bill and Melinda Gates, the FDA, DARPA, a lot of these big names in getting stuff to market in shady ways and also the technology and, and different stuff that were used for some pretty nefarious reasonings. Um, like this, all of this, all of this stuff should be incredibly concerning to people by and large. But for some reason, it's not. Nobody knows that this stuff is even happening. Like, like, it's crazy how much of this stuff has been happening. And it's crazy how little gets talked about it. Hopefully, I mean, we've already seen the, so the uptake for the Omicron variant uh, vaccine and boosters was incredibly low. Uptake for the new round of boosters and the new the new vaccine that's going to actually work this time. The one that's going to uh, prevent you from dying from the newest strain that was never going to kill you anyway. Um, they don't even they don't they don't even test for it anymore. Like it's you have the option if you go to the doctor and you're not feeling well, they can more or less they're just like do you want to get a covid test that and they literally told my uh my wife when my stepdaughter wasn't feeling good the other day took her to the uh to urgency care and they said do you do you want her to have a covid test i said we don't treat it you just have to let it run its course like there's nothing we do for it it's, there's no it, it's just a, it's just a thing now it is it's the new it's the new summer summer cold basically it's not even i mean this isn't even like flu season type of a thing this is just it is the summer cold it, so uptake of these vaccines has really dropped and especially for a company like moderna that's going to be concerning so you, you might start to see some of these uh technologies start to get pushed more and i wouldn't be surprised if we don't see another i mean bill gates is sworn by it fauci is on record as saying it a bunch of others that are on record saying it like it's not when or it's not if but when the next pandemic is going to hit and i wouldn't be surprised if a company like resilience has a part to play in the development of the next one that hits and you can expect Moderna to be at the forefront of the vaccine for that one when it hits. It's really a, like a lot of stuff here and just people don't even know or care. And even if we did, I mean, like, I don't know what your, 
I don't know what there is to be done about it, but people need to be more aware of it and people need to be paying attention to this sort of stuff because like it's happening right under our noses. I don't know for today. I'll be back on Wednesday with something not Moderna related. Uh, so tune in for that. And I will uh, check out the dailies between now and then. And I will see you on Wednesday. Before you go, make sure you check out our great sponsor, Agorist Acres. Now, agoristacres.com, you can find over 100 varieties of seeds. They've got vegetables, flowers, all kinds of stuff. They've got heritage brands, everything that you want to start any kind of garden that you need. It's free shipping on any order of $20 or more. They've got cool packaging, and most of the seeds come in a fancy glass vial, no paper envelopes. They accept U.S. dollars and crypto and can easily take either at checkout. Now be sure to head over to agoristacres.com and anything that you get, use the promo code FCT at checkout for 10% off your order. I say all the time that you need to be starting your own garden, you need to be growing your own food, you need to be getting off the grid and becoming less dependent on grocery stores and stuff like that. Agorist Acres is a great first start. They have got everything you need for whatever kind of garden you want. Great people, great product, highly recommend. So go check them out.